you don't have to learn how to control your thoughts you just have to stop letting them control you hello listeners hope you all are doing great out there welcome to the second season of our podcast cyclone by cyc club the first mental health club of uit punjab university on this podcast we talk about mental health issues and ways to fight them i am kamakshi and i am muskan and we will be your hosts for the day today we talk about ocd or obsessive compulsive disorder something which is more common than most of us know but before we begin we'd like to introduce to you our guest for the day today we are in conversation with ms tanya sharma she is a licensed clinical psychologist and she is currently working at hanjin hospital she completed her masters on philosophy from dayanan medical college and hospital and her masters from punjab university she has a diverse experience in clinical psychology and we uh, welcome you here ma'am today and we hope to have a great session with you thank you so much okay so let's dive right in um so coming to what ocd is how would you define uh, what ocd is or what is obsessive compulsive disorder yeah so uh, we all know that we have our little quirks habits and behaviors that we know we are be better off without we all wish we had more self control but when thoughts spin out of control they becoming so intense and so intrusive that they take over against our will so when habits turn into all consuming rituals that are performed to rid us of overwhelming feelings of fear and dread something more serious is happening so that is what ocd is all about so ocd is an obsessive compulsive disorder and it comes under stress neurotic disorder according to icd 10 now coming to what obsessions are and what obsessiveness is obsessions are basically intrusive unwelcoming distressing thoughts and mental images so this word obsession comes from the latin word meaning to besiege besiege means attacking so an obsessive thought is just that a thought that besieges you it attacks you and annoys the hell out of you so these thoughts always create distress and anxiety now coming to compulsions compulsions are the actions are the behaviors that people with ocd perform in a vain attempt to exercise the fears and anxieties that they are having which are caused by the obsession so obsessions are basically our thought process and compulsions to overcome the anxiety we put an effort to do some action that is what compulsions are so although a person with ocd usually recognizes that the urge to wash check or touch things or to repeat numbers is ridiculous and senseless but the feeling is so strong that the untrained mind becomes overwhelmed and the person with ocd gives in and performs the compulsive behavior and unfortunately performing 
this absurd behavior tends to set off a vicious cycle which take, takes place okay so uh, coming on along with these lines and to get a little bit more understanding we'd like to know what actually causes ocd so ocd is caused by a complex interaction of factors like there's not just a single defect so however the for the purpose of clarity they have a lot of factors talking about the genetic factors first of all so a lot of studies has been done twin studies family studies and the role of heritability is still there but okay. the child onset cases they have a greater genetic loading coming to the neurochemical aspects and the neuroanatomy so ocd involves an abnormality in the neurotransmitter that is known as serotonin and researchers uh, know that ocd is triggered by communication problems between the brain's deeper structures and the frontal part of the brain so these part of the brain they primarily use serotonin to communicate and this is why increasing the levels of serotonin in the brain can help to alleviate ocd symptoms okay the other factors which are like really important for us to know that is psychological factors and you know the environmental factors the specific thought and behavior patterns that our children and adolescents with ocd develop are based on the learning processes and lifetime experiences okay so intrusive thoughts which causes distress so these thoughts can originate from a traumatic experiences or maybe illnesses in family or some information that scares you off from others maybe from family from friends maybe from news it report it could be something that is very triggering to a person right exactly so if we'll talk about you know the present situation that covid-19 is there right. and this the information that you know a, a lot of information was there about covid-19 and people who already have the distress regarding you know maybe because yeah, of, yeah. of ocd or maybe somebody has lost someone due to uh, covid so yeah. these informations can certainly you know cause a lot of distress in the patient right and that leads to intrusive thoughts okay so these are the environmental factors talking about you know parenting so ocd is not caused by parenting which is certainly a you know a biggest myth a lot of people come across and they will be like i know this is happening because of my parenting so yeah. it is not caused by parenting or other family problems but it can you know exceed somewhere how the family reacts to a child but can it also be triggered if a child is abused sexually or physically yeah no, definitely definitely right. okay so it's how you know the family reacts to a child with ocd and the other traumatic things it's it's because it's not particularly uh, about the parents but it's about you know the environment, the environment that the child is in right 
so sometimes they just alternate their symptoms so even if there is a sexual content they'll say they don't have it and probably they'll provide you with some other symptom so it's very important to when you you know go through the case history you provide that non judgmental thing that yeah. he can come across and tell you about they do have these obsessions with sexual content yeah basically providing them the platform and the comfort to share the things that are bothering them definitely i think it's also important because we have a lot of shame around uh, sex yeah. talk especially yeah. in our country so it's difficult for people to talk about it as is and if it's you know a symptom of something that could uh, prove to be a little hindrance to their lives i think it's very important for them to come out yeah, with exactly. it exactly come coming out with it even with the person that is going to help them that is very important because a clinical psychologist like uh, tanya ma'am would be very helpful in such conditions and if people would uh, share them share their opinions and thoughts then it will be much much better for them only certainly so yes so the obsessions with sexual content is present in few patients so they have these sexual thoughts that one views as inappropriate and unacceptable then there are uh, repetitive rituals so people who repeat routine activities for no logical reasons they reread or rewrite words or phrases to overcome the anxiety yeah. then in a country like india which have a lot of uh, superstitions all around so there are clients who have superstitious fears so believe that certain numbers or colors there are lucky numbers or unlucky numbers yeah so these are the things that they obsess around yeah now these are the obsessions which are particularly as told before these are the thought processes compulsions are basically learned to overcome the anxiety so i have a thought and i start feeling some symptoms like i feel anxious i feel uneasy there's sadness of mood i'm unable to concentrate on things i feel so hopeless helpless so just to overcome these anxiety symptoms i there are you know bodily symptoms so we particularly call them physical symptoms yeah so there's palpitations there's tremors so these are the physical symptoms which are like on the surface to overcome these symptoms people get involved themselves into compulsions which are the actions and that is how they learn so they associate this learning so first of all you know the obsession takes place there's a thought there's a feeling and then there is a behavior but when you continue the same process all the time then yeah. comes the ocd because now you don't want to feel that way so you just have a thought and then you do the action you yeah. don't let yourself to feel those symptoms which you're were un mindlessly you're just mindlessly following through an activity exactly exactly so yeah. that is what compulsions are about 
Right. Coming to the checking compulsions, a lot of patients they have this uh, repeatedly going and checking if you know the stove is off or the door is locked or other mm -hmm. appliances in the house they're turned off. So they keep on checking these things. Yeah. And this checking to make certain one has not harmed someone. So for example, driving around and around the blocks to see if anyone has run, run over. So there are people, first checking would be you know at your place and the other checking would be outside your place. So you just look around something bad has happened or maybe have not harmed somebody. So that would be another compulsion. There are other compulsions as well, which are pathological slowness in carrying out even the most routine activities. So you just have to get up, brush your teeth, take shower, get ready. But these compulsions, like these patients, they have such slow activity that is taking place and another compulsions could be blinking or staring rituals so there are you know patients who just stare at a door or maybe at yeah. a knob or maybe at a switch or yeah. maybe they just keep on blinking another one is asking over and over for reassurance which yeah. is very very common okay but talking about the pathological reassurance and the reassurance that you know normally people does is very different because just asking for the reassurance the person forgets about you know her own way to solve a particular problem or make decisions so mm -hmm. these are the two things which somewhat affects the person because now he or she will start you know getting reassurances from other so the moment i'll start doing something i need a reassurance and you cannot find people all the time to give you that reassurance this is one of the compulsions there are mental rituals such as reciting silent prayers in an effort to make a bad thought go away coming to the mental rituals about prayers so here in india a lot of people they believe in god and they're very spiritual religious but it is like it is one of the coping strategies that people uses to overcome stress yeah so if i have a stress probably the first thing I'll do is I'll start praying that things get better. Right. Does it actually help? I think it's a psychological thing where you think that praying won't help and it, I think, eases you down. Exactly. And it is about the mental schemas and what kind of family background that you have and how you're brought up. That is the thing which certainly affects it. Because there, there are families who are like not very much into you know spirituality, yeah. religiosity, but there are we still have those families who want their children to you know abide with the same rituals that they have done. And 
learning is certainly what we observe we learn so how we see our parents you know working how our parents are interacting with other people that is how we learn and when we see our parents or oh, something wrong happened and my mom like she's praying and she's asking me to do the same that you should you know pray that things get well so yeah. that is how this strategy to cope up from a stress this strategy has been learned yeah it can be used but not in an excessive manner where you're not trying anything else but you're just sitting and you're praying that things will get well which is certainly not possible so till the time you don't work for it you won't get it exactly right yeah yeah so these are the common symptoms of ocd we have okay. discussed about so so the things i've heard this thing by a lot of people saying i have got this obsessive compulsive disorder where i have to have everything in a straight line or everything has to be in pairs so what are the most common obsessions and compulsions that uh, you as a clinical psychologist must have come uh, across with and how you deal with yeah. so as earlier i've told you so the most common symptoms that we find in a hospital setting firstly it's more about cleanliness neatness perfectionism which certainly comes in aligning things it has to be like you know it has to be aligned in a manner it has to be perfect yeah and talking about the rituals that i've just talked about this spirituality and religiosity and then there's other obsessions which come across at the time of covid that fear of losing loved ones yeah exactly. it was certainly there but maybe because of the situation these are the symptoms which were on the surface yeah so a lot of that i every time i'm sitting i wake up even when i sleep i have the same thought what if i lose somebody what if i lose my son yeah so these are one of the obsession and therefore they involve in you know compulsions like hand washing cleaning things around and even forcing other people to get into that exactly so these patients they do have the tendency to make others do the same thing because they feel if they won't do it maybe things will get worse yeah right right so these are like the most common obsessions and compulsions so how that, how do we exactly deal with these things i think uh, we can we can we talk about the dealing part in the end because uh, it okay. will help us to have a good picture right okay okay 
So coming back yeah. to the compulsions that you just mentioned, we talked about how uh, people people are always uh, checking stoves or doors, or when they have to color coordinate their say wardrobe or their library, or they organize a lot, or are what people might call them neat freaks. Uh, where do we uh, draw the line and say that it's okay or it's not okay? Because uh, personally, I do like color coordinating my library or cleaning or keeping things a certain way. It could be a way of people living, um, you know, having a healthy lifestyle or a healthy routine. When does it become uh, not okay? Yeah. So talking about, you know, the neatness, the cleanliness and having a, you know, good lifestyle, you have to make sure how much time you're giving in that particular activity. Right. And the flexibility that you have. What if, if you don't have time to clean your room or if you don't have time to, you know, just coordinate your attire and still you will be able to, you know, go out. But the moment, the moment you feel, no, I cannot do this. And you involve yourself in this particular activity with high frequency, with high time, like all the time you're thinking about this, or maybe if you, you couldn't do that and you just go out somewhere and you'll keep on thinking about it and you're not able to be there or you cannot, you know, you're unable to present yourself in that particular situation because your mind is still there that I haven't done this. So I haven't, you know, I wanted to wear black and black, but I'm wearing black and blue and somewhere or other, it is affecting you. And people around you start telling you that you need to take a break because you're focusing it on like too much. When other people around you and when you start feeling uncomfortable, you feel that this is not making me happy and it, it makes me uneasy to think about it because earlier it was a satisfaction but now to get the same level of satisfaction it is providing you with intrusive thoughts some unwelcoming thoughts you're not comfortable then it is certainly you know coming to a pathological level Right. And that is when we just don't have at look like a severity level because there are times when it is on the mild level, then moderate level, then severe level. Right. That is how we differentiate. So the moment you don't, you know, you you stop having that satisfaction from doing that activity. Earlier you felt that satisfaction. Okay, I'm doing this, and I feel so satisfied. I feel good. But now doing the same activity. It is not providing you with the happiness, with the satisfaction. And certainly you have to, you know, put in a lot of effort to do that, just to overcome that stress, anxiety, then it is a problem. Okay. So if so you are color coordinating your wardrobe to overcome something, then it is a problem. Otherwise, it is not. Yeah. Till the time that you're overspending that time. For example, I have a meeting. I have a meeting at 11 and it's a very important meeting. And at the same time, like around 10, 10, 30, 
I start coordinating my yeah. wardrobe and I know that I have like something very important because that is my workplace life. Yeah. But I prefer to coordinate my clothes rather than going for the meeting. Then it is yeah. a problem because somewhere or other it is impairing your workplace. Right. Your work life. And yeah. because you're so occupied with the thought, you're so occupied with the compulsion of coordinating these things you are unable to you know set up your priorities and so things you, certainly get affected right so you could say if uh, one is spending too much of their time and uh, space on a particular task then it becomes uh, an obsession and that's where you could you would draw the line exactly so uh, as there are a lot of uh, problems uh, around mental health that we see so other mental health problems or other issues in general that people have like having panic attacks eating disorders and all these things are are ocd eating disorders and panic attacks related so is there uh, in, are there any instances where you could see that these uh, problems cater to OCD. Yeah. So, um, talking about OCD and panic attacks. So, they belong to the same spectrum. So, as I've earlier told you, that there is a stress and neurotic spectrum that we have. Mm -hmm. And it contains both OCD and panic. Yeah. So, the panic and OCD, they come under the spectrum of anxiety disorders yeah whereas you know a numerous studies they have shown that those with eating disorders they have statistically higher rates of ocd and all these three things are you know comorbid so if i have ocd there are a high chances that i can have panic attack because i'm so preoccupied with my obsessions that is leading to panic attacks and eating could be one of the compulsions yeah now talking about eating disorders because they have uh, a lot of research has been done and they have shown statistically higher rates of OCD okay so we have anorexic and we have bulimic so anorexia and bulimia yeah so talking about anorexic in particular it exhibits a faulty perception of body image right. so now yeah. it is about the perception so how i see myself exactly. where they have a lot of uh, you know body dysmorphic preoccupations right and this mm -hmm. is an irrational fear so there's an irrational fear of you know gaining weight or other food related obsessions right the amount of calories you take exactly and and thereby uh, this leading to a categorical refusal to eat because now they feel that you know they have the fear that i'll gain weight yeah and this would lead them to not eat 
not even getting a proper amount of protein that is needed per day. Coming to bulimics, so their disorder is characterized by a consumption of abnormally large quantities of food. So yeah. they eat a lot of food, followed by overwhelming feelings of guilt and shame. Yeah. So they eat a lot and then they are like overwhelmed with the feeling that, oh man, I, yeah. I have eaten like so much and now there's guilt, there's shame. Yeah. So uh, are there any reasons they eat a lot? I mean, uh, does it arise from the feelings of uh, feeling low in your life somewhere or feeling incomplete that they eat a lot? It is more if I talk about the environmental factors. So yeah. a lot of, you know, a lot of things that are going in our life, we see people then nowadays you know they have such a good social life you see your friends you see people around you you see these uh, social media influencers that they look so pretty they look so good yeah. and what if i'll eat i'll i'll be you know because they have those expectations exactly. expectations how they are seeing oneself Exactly. And therefore, right. the moment they see that, because everybody has, you know, few desires. Right. So yes. even yes. a thin girl want, wants to gain weight to get yes. a perfect figure. And right. same goes for a person who has a lot of fat. Yeah. Now, coming to the fact that I'm seeing people around me and they're so, doing so good because social life is all about you know the happiness yeah why because even if you know somebody's crying on the social media people like us would say oh please you know why she has to show this emotion of yeah, you know crying in front of us yeah. yeah exactly that is what we do but when we talk about you know when we see a lot of people putting pictures on their you know marriage anniversaries or their birthday parties or they're going out when they're happy so this is acceptable right why yeah. because happiness and these are the emotions and there yeah. are like no rights and wrong so yeah. you have the right to show both the emotions you can show happiness you can show sadness you can show anger you can show frustration because that is where you belong to but exactly. because what others are expecting out of us what others accept that is yeah. the first and the foremost issue that is taking place these days exactly and when you do stuff like that it is People, people come across with, you know, good comments, bad comments, or oh, that is how you look, you look fat, or you look so thin. And these comments, somewhere or other, it affects you. It affects your mental schemas. Right. Exactly. So we, because that is what our thoughts about. We think about something and we see where do we fit in. And the moment we feel that people are not, you know, 
accepting me the way i am right. this produces a lot of distress this is produces a lot, a lot of, of anxiety yeah there is a lot of irrational fear about fitting in uh, because we are social animals we feel that there is a need to fit in and if we don't we might uh, miss out on a lot yeah exactly exactly that's 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 that is something which is very certain for every individual because right. that is mm-hmm. how we were brought up yeah that's human nature yeah so all of this uh, all of this is basically growing out in disorders and if we basically say talking about eating disorders so these are the mainstream uh, things that are catering to it yeah okay. so this is what all is about ocd panic and eating disorder and how they are related okay uh can having a disturbed childhood lead to having ocd later in life of studies have solidified that there is a link between ocd and childhood trauma so people were more likely to experience obsession when they are exposed to a stressful situations these thoughts are triggered by external cues so they get these external cues and they if they already have a trauma then it can certainly induce that anxiety and when it comes to compulsions because they want to get over that trauma that thought which is triggering them they believe that if they'll do something if they will probably wash their hands if they start cleaning so they can prevent these unwanted events so they feel uh, you know these people believe that they have a responsibility to prevent unwanted events the trauma they already had so those were the you know obsessions because they have exposed them to a particular stressful situations and now they will do something to overcome that obsession and that is how compulsion takes place so in case of disturbed childhood a person might respond with compulsions that they believe that will prevent these events so just to have that prevention thing they get in the compulsions so that is how disturbed childhood can have a greater impact on ocd okay so we have commonly heard that uh, we commonly heard this from our family or the or our peers or some people around us that eating right and fixing a schedule and proper hydration can help a person get out of number of problems and it does somewhere so does it hold true for ocd and other mental health issues as well yeah so all the mental illnesses are generally caused by hereditary or environmental factors whereas we can try to prevent the environmental factors you know yeah. the genetics and hereditary are not under our control exactly so environmental like healthy eating meditation physical exertion can help us in primary prevention 
Yeah. So it's a primary prevention against the illness in general population. However, the specific strategies, you know, mm-hmm. such as CBT, psychotherapy, etc., they are required for the targeted population. Okay. So these are these are like few lifestyle changes which are important yeah. as a primary prevention against any any mental illness. Yeah. So as we talked about eating disorders and panic attacks, which are related with OCD. So uh, as we are now aware that they're all related, how can one treat it at a ground level? Yeah. So it is certainly very difficult to, you know, treat them at a ground level. Because okay. if you're talking about that it is a disorder, so yeah. certainly we need a professional help for it. Okay. Yeah. That is how you know it works. So if I have a fever, on the very first day I'll wait. Okay. Maybe I'll take paracetamol and I'll see if it is, you know, fine. And yeah, I'll do this for two to three days. And maybe mm. on the fourth day. If I'm not able to recover, I'll definitely go and see a doctor. Obviously. Talking about mental illnesses, people generally take a lot of time. They take a lot of lot of time. Yeah. Because of the acceptance, because of the stigmas. Yeah. And third, because of the insight. Yeah. So they generally, you know, they try to manage each and everything on their own. And maybe they can, you know, just go to a friend and they'll be like, I, you know, I'll just spend some good time and I'll be fine. So mm-hmm. certainly you feel fine till that point of time. But when you, you know, come back and you're alone. Yeah. You are unable to handle those feelings, those thoughts, and you know they are making you uneasy. Yeah. And people generally, you know, they feel that I should, you know, take some time off. Maybe I'll not go to work. I'll try to manage. And still, yeah. it is not getting better. So it's very important to go and ask for a professional help. At a ground level, as I've already told you, it is important for a better lifestyle. So if you're already doing it, going for a walk, having some me time, doing deep breathing exercises, these are the primary preventions and that is what the ground level could be. But when it is certainly coming to a level where you can just calm yourself for a particular period of time and other times you're very much preoccupied then certainly these evidence-based practices therapies would definitely work okay okay so correct me if i'm wrong but it's uh, commonly known and it might be wrong so uh, it's commonly known that uh, people who have had ocd for a long time it's difficult to get rid of the problem or cure it altogether. So we can help uh, with 
uh, dumbing down the symptoms or helping the person uh, get a little bit more control over their compulsions, but we can't really get rid of it completely. So can early intervention help uh, ignore the problem altogether? Yeah. So coming about the fact that is, so first of all, the first clarity would be that any mental illness is not curable. You cannot cure any of the mental illnesses. They are treatable. You can help the patient to maintain a life with, you know, a comfortable maintenance. But it is not curable. You cannot cure. Like, thoughts are something which will keep on coming. What we as a professional, we try to do is we try to train the individuals how they can cope with the particular stress. Mm -hmm. Right? The mm -hmm. coping strategies, processes, how they can rationalize their irrational beliefs and thoughts. Mm -hmm. We help them finding out the evidences. Mm -hmm. We help them to find out, you know, particular problem solving skills, decision making mm -hmm. skills. That is, as a professional, we help them. Because stressors are going to come. Exactly. We help them to adapt, to rationalize, and to understand that particular situation and how they can deal with them. Yeah, so, so basically, you can't stop the waves. Yeah, so basically, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn how to surf. Exactly. Okay, so we have with us some uh, very common myths around OCD and we'll try to bust them today. Okay, so the first one that we have is that all meat freaks have OCD. Yeah, so certainly it's a myth. So no, the main yeah. difference between meat freaks and people with OCD is that meat freaks, they like being neat because they feel like it helps them and keeps them productive. Right. But people with OCD wish they were not, you know, that way. They, they feel like they don't have another option. They need to do it. It's the difference between wanting to do something and exactly. having the feeling of having to do something. Certainly. So the need freaks, they feel that they keep them productive but people with OCD wish they were weren't that way, but feel they have to do their rituals in order to prevent, you know, some dreaded catastrophe. That is why it is a disorder because they uh, have to do it. They don't want to do it. Certainly. So not everyone with OCD is focused on cleanliness. OCD is pretty diverse in terms of its symptoms. And everyone has symptoms that are, you know, little different in their own personal spin. So that's the first myth that we have cleared. Okay, coming on to the next myth. So there, there's this myth that someone with OCD will have the same obsessions their entire life. So 
people with ocd they engage in compulsions to reduce anxiety caused by the obsessions that they have and both obsessions and compulsions compulsions can change with time so yeah so it's like they find alternatives so we have a lot of patients they come with a particular you know compulsion at one time and another time if the moment you know they that is what relapse is all about because i have a particular compulsion where i cannot you know open the door because i feel that it's dirty it's contaminated and i might get a disease or maybe any 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 thought that i have maybe if i'll touch it i might lose somebody or if i'll touch it i'll get a you know a very chronic illness yeah and at the time of the therapy with a lot of you know techniques and all we help the patient to overcome this compulsion but somewhere or other sometimes this happens if you know the patient doesn't have that high motivation and it is providing with a lot of anxiety they try to have an alternative for that so now the patient is able to you know hold the knobs and able to open the door but at his or her place he or she started another compulsion which must be washing hands which might be you know counting numbers so an another like they have these alternatives so as a therapist as a clinical psychologist you have to make sure that the patient is not carrying out another alternatives yeah. so therefore it is very important to always have a co-therapist at your home so if we have a patient we always see who is you know one of the protective factors in the family mm. so maybe a brother or a sister who is like staying with the patient a mother so we always make them a co-therapist so that they can make sure like what's happening because a patient is coming to us for like 40 minutes yeah. one hour that is it and if we do the exposure and patient is able to do that very well at the hospital setting it is not the end because from 24 hours he or she is just spending 40 minutes and if that person is doing good that is not enough for us because the moment they'll go to the same environment because what the environment that we have provided as a therapist it is very safe yeah. it is very safe for them they yeah. don't feel judged they are stress free they feel that they can do whatever they can say whatever but coming down to that environment where people will be judgmental people yeah. would show all kinds of emotions anger hatred judgments jealousy these are the things that actually lead to anxiety so we as you know therapists we make sure that they have a co-therapist and they can look upon if there's any alterations that are taking place in the symptoms and that certainly helps in the treatment management all right okay
so another myth that we have is that a complex interaction of factors cause OCD. Bad parenting is rarely the cause. Yeah. So I think we have already discussed about this and I would tell you that parenting, even when it's imperfect, it does not cause OCD. Parents do not need to blame themselves because we find a lot of parents and they're like, is it because of us? Is it because like, oh, we, you know, we fight or maybe we argue sometimes or mm -hmm. are we like too pressurizing for our child because we always tell him or her that they can do whatever they want, but still he has this problem. So parents, they have this tendency to blame themselves for their child's OCD. So the major message that parents, they should not, you know, blame themselves. Yeah. People with history of trauma, definitely if they have history of trauma, if there's family abuse, if there's any parental neglect, they are more likely to be diagnosed with OCD. Yeah. So the environmental factors such as trauma, they can contribute to obsessions and compulsions. Okay. So, um, as we have developed the understanding around OCD and other mental health issues uh, in general, there's a, uh, I'm really happy to say this, that there's a, a very a big community out there with, where people know about uh, mental health problems, but there are uh, a lot of times there are myths that uh, mental health issues are for only privileged people. The people who are underprivileged don't really uh, uh, don't really uh, symptoms of any mental health issues or disorders. So there's this another myth which says. OCD only shows up in privileged people who have too much time or too few problems. Yeah. So OCD, it exists across cultures, across classes, across genders and ethnicities. So people with higher classes may be more likely to be diagnosed with OCD. This is uh, less because they are more likely to face barriers to mental health care. Talking about people with less resources, they can experience more risk from potential stigma and therefore they, you know, avoid getting the help. More than avoiding getting the help, they avoid the fact that they have a condition. Certainly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so another one that we have is people with OCD are nitpicky and controlling. So, um, people with OCD, they struggle to and they control their own thoughts and emotions. And their compulsions are, you know, outward manifestations of this struggle. So, a person may try to control their environment in order to do the compulsions. There's, you know, a similar sounding diagnosis, which is uh, obsessive compulsive personality you must have heard about it it does manifest as a fixation on control and order so people with 
OCP, which is obsessive compulsive personality, they may struggle to you know cooperate with others, and that is why they feel that they're very much controlling, they're nitpicky, and who doesn't uh, you know share their strict standards with everyone. Yeah. So that is how these you know these myths are coming up. It could be because of the personality trait that uh, a person employs. So a person with OCD doesn't really have to be uh, controlling or nitpicky. It could be a characteristic trait, but it is not uh, always Quiet. the fact. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. I think with this we wrap up with our session. Uh, thank you so much, ma'am, for taking out the time to be here with us today. It was a very illuminating conversation, and we got a lot to learn from. And I think our listeners can also take back a lot from here. Um, is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with? Yeah, thank you so much for uh, calling me here. Certainly, we we really need this. The mental health awareness is very very much important. So, people who are listening out, I just want to tell them: if you're going through an OCD spike. allow it to pass don't force it to leave give no energy towards it so fear is like what you what stops you and courage is what keeps you going so make sure that you keep going thank you so much well this has been a very enlightening session and the intriguing thoughts that might have been uh, in a lot of people i hope that they have been uh, cleared by tanya ma'am in a very uh, elegant way that she has uh, brought up here today and i would like to thank you for that ma'am and uh, i would also like to thank our listeners for tuning in and for the people who are uh, who have listened us so far uh we are really grateful to have you in our community and uh, uh we assure you that we'll be back with more episodes and uh, thank you so much for tuning in and for more other such episode stay tuned and we'll be back with more episodes as i said stay healthy and stay safe